0: Hello, Facebookers. Hello, podcast listeners. Welcome to Health Hackers episode 12. I'm Gemma Evans. I'm a presenter and journalist here in the UK. And this is my series devoted to getting inside the minds of some of the most pioneering and influential people in health and wellness. And today, my guest is Ben Coomber. Hello. Hello, Ben. So look, there are so many ways I could describe Ben because he does so many different things. He wears many hats. You are a nutritionist a speaker, a trainer, a podcaster. Mm -hmm. Many of you may listen to his podcast already. And you you run a supplements company as well. I do. So he does a lot of things, which means we could talk to Ben about an awful lot, but we only have him with us for 30 minutes. And I want you to start putting your questions on the live Facebook feed right now. I've got my laptop down here. If you see me looking away, it's because I'm looking at your questions and comments and I can put them to Ben. We're going to try and hone in on one particular area of his expertise today. It's all tied up with fitness, motivation. I know that when we met, actually, we had a chat about this. We did. Uh, ben likes to talk about this kind of stuff. It's, it's about why you're not getting the results that you want to get. So if you are joining us now on Facebook Live, pop your questions in the feed below and I can put them to Ben and tag someone in the comments if you think they could benefit from watching this. If you think they're failing in getting their gym results and they need some help, Ben is here to help us. Pop it in the comment section. Okay, let's begin by hearing a bit about your backstory because you weren't always in optimum health, were you?
1: I wasn't, no. Uh, when I was 18, I was a obese lad, so... I was 16 stone at the time, Um, my natural bony body weight would probably be about 10 and a half stone or about 13 and a half stone now, but it's probably because I've got in the gym and uh, got some guns. Um, But yeah, I left school and I said to myself, or it was my belief that I wouldn't be healthy and I wouldn't be successful in my career if I wasn't my best self. And that was literally the start of my journey from losing all the weight and I lost four stone in four months. I then lost uh, an extra stone and a half on, over...
0: four stone in four months? Yeah, I
1: really went for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was young, I was energetic, you know, I was happy to get out, do exercise, eat the right thing. I was highly motivated, so I lost weight very quickly. And at the time I also had IBS, ADHD, eczema, asthma. So I had a lot of health challenges as well. And it was that journey of losing the weight, having a great level of health, being energised that I said, I've got to teach other people about this stuff. And 11 years later, here I am today.
0: Doing just that. So you spend your time seeing clients. And I guess the one thing all of your clients must have in common is that they all want to change somehow. Yes. So is is there such a thing as a typical client?
1: Uh, most people have struggled, most people are listening to this, watching this because they're struggling with something and they feel that they've failed and it was an interesting point that you made right at the beginning, you, you used this word failure and and for me, as soon as you start attaching negative words to everything that you do, you're going to set yourself up for more failure because we work in habits as humans, we work in patterns. And really failure is the fact that you just haven't quite worked it out yet. And as soon as you start to view a problem like that, okay, I haven't quite worked it out yet. So then automatically the next mindset you go through is, well, what can I do? What do I need to change? What hasn't worked quite yet? As soon as you say, oh, I failed, you have to stand back and then make a black or white decision of, right, do I carry on? Well, I've already failed, so what's the point? Or should I just accept that you know I'm three stone overweight and I'm tired and that's the norm and everyone else is overweight, so let's just go for it? So I think the language and the narrative that we have for ourselves is really, really, really important because it sets you up for how much success you can have with your health.
0: So psychologically, you're turning it on, it, on its head, really, and you're just being far more positive about people's achievements. So yeah. You keep, keep them, G them on a bit. Yeah, we,
1: we talk about positive mental attitude and all that kind of stuff, and it's great. Like, it doesn't mean that we. And, and all of this stuff is a habit. Like, no one jumps out of bed and, like, oh, I'm so positive today, I'm going to achieve I thought my you blood. were like
0: that, Ben. Well, I was hoping you were going to tell me that's what you did. I am.
1: <laughs> but I have these processes and patterns in my lifestyle that put me into that place. So for example, planning, I don't think people plan effectively enough. Some people are great at planning some stuff, like going to their gym class, for Mm. example. But what about all the stuff outside of that, like planning your meals, planning your downtime, planning your fun, planning your finances, like all of that stuff actually leads to a greater level of achievement because you are working towards an outcome. And as soon as we don't plan for some areas of our health or our lifestyle, our career, we don't get the outcome we want because we get led by other people so in health and fitness there's a huge amount of people that are paying attention to Instagram and what you're doing with your health and what I'm doing with my health and all of that is great get ideas get inspiration learn tips and tricks but don't get caught up in it Find your own plan, your own path, your, your own way of eating. Like just because you ate a certain lunch, it doesn't mean I need to or mm. that's going to work for me. And I think not enough people are listening to themselves enough and saying, oh, OK, actually, that didn't work for me. What Gemma did didn't work for me. So I'm going to change that because I've noticed that this works better. Like I quite like quite a high-fat breakfast, for example. Other people might be like, I don't really like that. I work really good on a bowl of porridge topped with fruit and a bit of nuts. Yeah. Awesome, do that. Um, so part of this process is planning and, and trusting yourself. All of my clients, I want them to get to a point where they trust their own ability, and have the power to change what they need to change for a better result and a better outcome. Mm.
0: One thing i found since I've started doing Health Hackers' this podcast, is the number of differing views from different experts. Yep. And I, like you, also enjoy high-fat meals. In fact, I, I spent four years in deep ketosis, which you can read about on my blog at healthhackers.uk. But during that time, there were lots of people who were like, oh my god, why are you doing that, that's awful. And I did yep. do it under the guidance of um, a keto expert. And uh, there were many reasons why I did that. But I noticed that there was a complete lack of acceptance from some areas because they think that, that the way they're eating is, is the way we all should be. And then there were people even on the keto side who thought that keto was the only way. And then when I interview all these different experts and there were so many different views and then I begin to question what I even know. And I wonder how you, Take on because you've done what like three hundred and something episodes of your podcast with different experts, yep. and you're a nutritionist. You've got your own training and your own experience. How do you know what's right in the end?
1: So, we know what's right from the research that we have. So that's most important. So if anyone's getting into an argument on the internet and people say, "Oh well, this causes this problem," let's look at the scientific evidence and say whether it's correct or not. Then, if people are being uh, you know forthright in their views against the evidence then that's their choice but they can't accept other people to believe what they're saying in the light of concrete evidence because scientific evidence is the best basis we have now what i don't allow on my show and in my kind of practice of nutrition is absolutes so we can talk about a diet strategy for someone might work great for you might work awfully for me now even if there's a line in the sand between us where there is science, so let's say in dieting terms, a scientific term that we could pick up is calories in, calories out, is scientifically shown to be the most important thing for fat loss or fat gain. You could do a keto diet for that, you could do a high, fat, uh, high carb diet for that, you could do Weight Watchers, you could do loads of stuff, but the science in the middle grounds how all of these diet systems work. Mm. So when I talk to other people and my podcast and I'm framing things, I'm always talking about there is no absolute. You try something, but with trying that, you understand where its basis is in its physiological mechanism. Like we can talk about a diet. Okay, why does a diet work? Well, the diet works because it probably takes out a key macronutrient or restricts something that then puts your body into a state where it's eating less food and you're burning more energy.
0: But there are even rows about calories in, calories out, you know, that certain different types of macros will be metabolized differently and you know I was in my keto stages I was mm-hmm. eating two and a half three thousand calories a day and I mm-hmm. didn't put on any significant amount of weight But I reckon or well, how can I know maybe if I'd done it with donuts, it would have been a different result but um, I love that that you're really open-minded in everything that you do on your podcast with all your guests But um, I love your honesty as well. And I know you've spoken about the fitness industry and you've said Mm. that you think right now it's probably full of too many egos and a lot of BS. So tell us what you meant by that. And then we'll come on to your questions, Facebookers. Put your questions down.
1: We will be there, trust us. Um, So I have a lot of frustrations with uh, how people behave in the fitness industry. We've just talked about uh, being black and white, living in absolutes. There's a lot of people... Uh, talking about their business and their theories and their methodologies in that way and I only think it's damaging Um, there's uh, not enough acceptance of other people and their ideas like I will sit here and happily listen to your ideas and if we disagree on five to ten percent of our ideals and ideas and opinions I'm not going to sit here and think Gemma you're an idiot why do you think that? Because there's ninety, ninety five percent that we do agree on, and for me, the the fitness industry is just making a great job of the general public becoming more and more confused because we keep arguing about two, three, four percent of our belief systems and how we operate as individuals and it's not moving the industry forward and the in, the fitness industry was designed to inspire and teach people to be better and if you ask most people on the street if we went outside in London today most people would say I'm confused what is best to eat yeah so the fitness industry is fading the general public
0: I think I am too <laughs> and that's that's from interviewing so many different experts who all have differing views. Um, when you talk about egos and BS in the fitness industry, and, and you're so candid about it and honest and upfront, and that's probably why a lot of people really respect you, but do you at the same time attract any negativity? Like, are there people loads. who are really nasty about what you're saying?
1: Uh, not loads. Um, there are some, and I think... You have to accept that if I'm willing to put myself in a position of perceived authority, you know, I want to be on things like this, trying to educate, and the same will be for you, there's going to be people that disagree with you. And I'm fine with that. And and the thing is, it it comes, we'll we'll come back to the diet conversation. I posted something on my Facebook last week about the BBC TV programme, The Truth About Cards. Yeah, yeah. And I outlined what had happened, what was said, Mm -hmm. and then some of the research And people kept coming back to me saying, oh yeah, but this has been proven. And I said, that's fine. I will read whatever you send me. But no one could send me a legitimate scientific research paper outlining their argument. And the general public view things like blogs as research. Blogs are not research. Blogs are opinion. And they might be formulated from research that might be cherry-picked or um, picked for a certain reason. So if someone sends me a bit of research and it's legitimately done, it's been in a controlled environment, it's had a good methodology, and we've got meaningful data of what we might change nutritionally, then I will 100% listen to that. But I I can't engage with people online that are just like, oh, well, high-fat diets are great and carbs are really evil I'm like why do you think that where's the research oh well I read a guy and I followed this girl and and I'm like that's not a good enough argument I get your opinion but your opinion reduces and reduces and reduces invalidity when you can't link to something that's credible and more than opinion and I say this as a guy that followed and lost all of my weight on a low carb diet when I went from obese to slim I went on a low carb diet I've spent a year or so myself in ketosis. I've done loads of other things I've experimented but over time I've realised why these things actually worked and how they fall into the bigger picture with other people trying to reclaim their health
0: there's also um, a debate around how many of our research studies have actually been influenced by big sugar Mm -hmm. big pharma so then then I begin to question the influence behind studies and do I even believe that one or this one or that one? And then, I, then I'm back to square one with my uh, what to believe issue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so the problem here is, is you do have to find practitioners that are good at looking at all this research and disseminating it in a very objective, critical thinking way. And the problem is, is all this stuff takes an inordinate amount of time. For you to go and look at the research around sugar, obesity, calories, insulin, you could be there for a month, literally, looking at methodology and all this kind of stuff. So instead of finding clarity, you would look at all of that and go, oh, I'm more confused. But it's actually because you don't actually have the time to go into it and Mm. really break it down yourself. So this is where people listening right now do need to go and find the right kind of people to follow, to make sure that when we go, well this guy said that, let me go and ask X person, because I know that they're going to be really objective about this, and there's potentially not um, kind of a business or monetary motive behind it.
0: Yeah, so um, let's bring the conversation back to motivation. Let me just give you a few comments from people watching us on Facebook, um, and then we'll talk about fitness motivation. Angelique, she's watching, she's a future guest on Health Hackers actually, Angelique, hormone expert. She says, we are all biochemically individual, no one size fits all, so agreeing with what you were saying at the start there. Um, Andrew has asked, why is the writing on your t-shirt the wrong way round? It's because we're shooting in selfie mode, we have to put the camera on selfie mode. Um, And then we're talking about uh, exercise, and Eva's asked about fitness for the over 65s. Yep. And can you give us any tips for fitness uh, goals for the over 65s? Because she's saying she's actually, she aches like mad every day. Should she cut down her twice a week Pilates and once a week yoga? Or is it good to ache like mad?
1: Um, So I think if people are training with good intensity and they're recovering adequately, they shouldn't ache like mad over time because your body should be adapting. So in this scenario, I would ask a couple of key questions. Are you sleeping well enough to recover? Afterwards, are you eating enough calorically to recover? Um, If you don't eat enough you will really, your body will really struggle because it just doesn't have the raw nutrients and enough of it to be able to recover from the training. Um, Are you missing any micronutrients out? So we know that things like uh, vitamin D, fish oil, magnesium, really important in the recovery process. So that individual might want to look at that. Now, I'm obviously... um, maybe not old enough to comment from experience on being that age in training but one thing I've noticed from you know just my younger years of training is sometimes you've just got to pick your battles one thing I never want people to do if possible is train change their level of intensity so if you train or used to train five days a week and you go down to three days a week, the way to maintain fitness and the way that you look and feel is to be able to maintain the same level of intensity but through less work. So if you if you went for a run, for example, and ran and were used to running at 80% of your maximum heart rate, as soon as you start running at 70 or 60%, you lose fitness. So you can train less but maintain the same level of intensity. So for me, three days a week is fine, yeah. but I would question your recovery practices as to whether you were supporting the exercise that you're doing.
0: But the other thing you were saying is, say if someone worked, or worked out five times a week, they could cut it down to three, but you'd want them to exercise harder in those three, so it equates to the same amount of intensity across?
1: Uh, maybe not the same amount of volume, because it might not be necessary, yeah. but you would want to maintain intensity, yeah. Because the muscles act on stimulus, and if you give it a lesser stimulus, it will stop responding.
0: Um, can you train yourself to be motivated?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I think a huge amount of it is is habit. So you'll quite often see these memes on Facebook of motivation gets you started, so we're inspired, and then habit keeps you going. So at the moment, if your environment doesn't create positive change throughout your day. And I talk about momentum with my clients. I'm like, at what point in your day right now is your momentum being derailed? So you might get up, make a cup of coffee, have breakfast, be in a great mood, get to work, have a great morning, have a great lunch, and then in the afternoon you always lose momentum. Why is that? Do you get low energy? Do you maybe always have your meetings in the afternoon and you don't like some of your work colleagues? They kind of put a bit of a downer on your day. Like, There's loads of things that can derail things. And if people get into the habit of positively moving forward every day, it actually becomes quite difficult to make negative or non-conductive decisions towards your health because you're always moving Mm. in a positive light.
0: So what are the biggest mistakes you see in your clients, the biggest mistakes people make? as to why, and that's why they don't hit their fitness goals, achieve their goals.
1: Uh, Planning effectively and knowing what their goals are and how they're going to get there, both from an exercise, a food, a lifestyle, a well-being perspective, uh, and, and making sure you know how to fulfil all that. And if you don't, finding out the best kind of resource, like do you need to work with a coach, do you need to sign up to a programme, do you need to listen to a podcast, like getting those skills... Um, and then second to that is having the strength of character to follow that through and not be led astray by other people. You know, as soon as our plans are too flexible and we don't know why we're doing them, we will allow other people to make plans for us. Oh, Gemma, should we get a bottle of wine at dinner? But you might have thought, do you know what? I'm not drinking tonight. It's a bit of a school night. I'm trying to watch what I'm eating, et cetera. If I didn't have that plan in my head, you might go, oh yeah, let's get a bottle of wine and we'll share Get a bottle of wine and then on the way home you're like, oh, I shouldn't have drunk that bottle of wine but you didn't set the plan and the rule for yourself so that you could confidently make that decision in that situation rather than let other people decide on your plans.
0: So it sounds like it's a lot about self-respect as well, like living up <sighs> to your own respect for your body and yourself. Yeah. Um, I've got a question here from Simon. Simon's a friend of mine actually. He's a pro wrestler. Now a oh, lot of my health hackers audience um, are already quite fit and healthy, yep. and they always want to be better. But Simon's got um, slightly different questions. So he's been training for a long time, um, but his problem is he thinks he might be overtraining. And um, he says, I find it difficult to rest, even though I know how important that is. What advice would Ben have for someone like me who actively enjoys the gym? He goes when he's tired and he wonders if that's actually counterproductive. He says, In short, I basically need motivation to not go to the gym. Uh, do you think anyone can ever be over motivated?
1: Yeah, so for me, we've got to go a level deeper here and look at people's motives and character types. So, for example, I got into health and fitness to better myself, but also there was part of me that wanted to prove myself to the outer world. So I come from a broken home, parents split out when they're younger, didn't really talk to my dad much when I was younger, all that kind of stuff. And we know that quite often in that environment, uh, the child will seek out approval, love and acceptance from their father because they leave the home and they don't have that father figure. Right. Now I know I'm using a maybe a... Uh, Uh, an example here that might not be relevant to Simon but you can see the sentiment here now what that created in me is a highly motivated individual to prove himself to the world and that's why I was successful with changing my health and my body I was successful at building a career as a nutritionist building a business now I'm you know, three different things because I had this deep down desire to put my footprint on the world Mm -hmm. now with something like health and fitness we might have the desire to prove ourselves to other people. We maybe enjoy the satisfaction uh, and enjoy just being able to take our top off and have abs and all that kind of stuff. And again, we get into the pattern of training all the time to achieve that goal. So Simon might have trained really hard to get up to here with his goal, but now actually to maintain that goal, he doesn't actually need to train all the time and he could maybe drop down to here because he's already what he needs. Mm. So I got really lean. I'm lean now. Maintaining that leanness is a lot easier than getting there. Mm. But because we get into the pattern and the habit of what it takes to get there, we don't often have that objective person to say, hey, do you know what, Simon, you don't actually need to do that. But if you don't know any better, you just keep spinning the wheels. And the chances are Simon is stuck in a bit of a pattern and maybe needs someone else to say. You don't need to do that, and maybe your focus needs to change. Like you go into the gym all the time. What is it stopping you from doing? Is it stopping you from having date night with your girlfriend? Right you know, um, enjoying more time having in the kitchen, creating more recipes. You know, building that shed that you would always promised yourself in your garden, like all that stuff. Like mm. now, what is it taking away? So rather than focusing on what you think you might miss out on. Focus on the pain in your life that you're not able to solve as a result of not having enough time through potentially, I'm not going to say an unhealthy habit, mm. but it's maybe an unhealthy volume of what Simon is doing. Potentially.
0: Yeah, potentially. I hope that helps, Simon. Just got to give yourself a break. <laughs> um, Robert wants to know, what are your thoughts on bodyweight exercises rather than weight training?
1: I love bodyweight training. I generally would advise people become proficient with moving and using their own body before they look to apply weight because ultimately, if you can't do a press-up properly for multiple reps what's the point of doing a bench press so always work at the press-up you know work at the body weight squat body weight lunge and also there's loads of ways to challenge yourself like i love doing um like handstand holds walking up my hands Yeah. yeah walking up the walls with my hand like my feet and stuff loads of stuff so i'm a really 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 big fan
0: Good. Uh, Tim wants to know, um, well, this is about his weight loss that he's, he's been aiming for, but he's not quite there. He says, I get frustrated. I think I'm doing all the right things. I'm not seeing the results. I've cut down a lot. Sometimes he fasts for 18 hours at a time. He's vegetarian. He has been for 20 years and he wants to lose two stone. That's a lot of weight.
1: Okay. Um, so there's only so much information I know from Tim there. So it's very hard for me to make an assumption on what's going on. When most people say they're doing all the right things, dietarily, that usually means they're eating really good food, they're very mindful of what they eat, but they quite often don't understand the full impact of the amount of calories that they eat. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if we want to draw on what we know from weight loss and weight gain, chances are somewhere Tim is eating too much in his lifestyle. And this is a big problem for a lot of people because of quite often the pattern that we have in our work life. So most, you know, most people give or take eat fairly well during the week. They have a pattern. It revolves around work. They maybe go out once during the week, maybe twice, have lunch with a friend. So they eat pretty well, and then it goes a bit wrong at the weekend. There's overconsumption of alcohol. We go around our grannies for dinner. We have a full roast dinner. Like if you were to eat a full roast dinner with uh, beef or lamb, which is a very very fatty meat, you were to have like crumble or treacle toffee pudding and then you know the cheese board was going to come out you're easily eating 2000 calories Mm -hmm. now that's not far off what you would need you know per day Mm. to kind of eat so once you actually start to put it in that kind of context it's very easy to overeat and ruin a week's worth of hard work in the gym and with your eating by a weekend of like maybe just having a bit too much of a flexible Mm. approach um, you know I can go out for a free course dinner and easily eat two two and a half thousand calories you do that twice a week yeah. then you're, you're already setting yourself out at a disadvantage so I would get Tim to look at a bit more of the detail of what he's doing and work out the solution
0: yeah and maybe chat to a coach Tim or a nutritionist um, another Simon Not Simon Miller, the wrestler. Another one, can you ask Tim about creatine as a supplement alongside regular protein shakes? How essential is it? What's the optimum time to have it pre or post-workout? There's conflicting opinion when I've researched online.
1: So firstly, creatine seems to be very good in people that are doing strength, power-based exercises, so weight training, rugby, football, that kind of stuff. If you're doing endurance training, it doesn't really seem to be that beneficial. Secondly, the optimal dose seems to be around 5 grams a day. Thirdly, creatine or standard creatine monohydrate seems to be the widely accepted um, thing to use. There's lots of different types of compounds, but creatine monohydrate seems to be uh, the most beneficial and it's dead cheap. And then lastly, uh, when to take it. The most important thing is that it's just in your diet daily. There seems to be a small benefit when you have it post-exercise with a little bit of carbohydrate, but that benefit is kind of small so key thing is get into the habit and the routine of having it somewhere in your diet Mm -hmm. if you are inclined like i take creatine um and that's because i'm kind of a strength athlete i play rugby and i lift weights Mm.
0: so if i want it but as a woman if i wanted to take creatine is that going to help me actual build actually build or is it just going to help me be stronger Uh, both okay and obviously
1: being stronger helps you build more muscle because you can lift more weight um, which helps with progressive overload. So, yeah, I would still recommend it for a female that's looking to build some guns.
0: A um, couple of final questions: um, If somebody is getting out of bed every morning and they know they need to go to the gym and they know they need to do a workout, but they just don't feel happy about it and they yep. just and they feel like a failure and they're getting all this negative self-talk. Can you give us any quick tips for instant turnarounds or instant help for those people?
1: Of course. So for me, it starts in your language. So you started to say, and let's say I'm that person, oh, I need to go to the gym. As soon as you say need, you're going to have to fight with a want to do that. You don't want to go to the gym because your language is saying you need. So how can we create your language to be, I want to go to the gym? So now we can look at the problems. Why don't I want to go to the gym? Well, it might not. It might be that you don't actually like your gym. You don't enjoy it, the environment, the people. So could you change gyms and now you love your gym, so you lie in bed, you wake up and you go, I wanna go to the gym, because it's fun and I like the people there. It might be that actually you don't like the gym, but you believe that the gym is the only way to get in shape. So rather than going to the gym, why don't you go and do yoga or run or you know uh join a friend and go for a class somewhere like there's loads of fitness options now like in london like boutique fitness is crazy you could almost go to a different class like every day of the week yeah every hour so for me i would ask what the blocking factor is why is someone saying oh i need to do this and why don't i want to do it and how can we create it into or turn it into do you know what i want to do this and that's Where's the words, ben? thing that people need to work out
0: so where can people hear more about you i imagine a lot of your podcast listeners are watching this anyway but where else can we hear and read more about you and your work
1: yeah so whatever platform you're on facebook instagram itunes youtube put in ben Coomba, c-o-o-m-b-e-r you'll find some stuff my podcast is ben Coomba radio the number one uh, rated uk podcast so yeah just type it in and have a look if you'd like what I'm going on about then have a follow and say hello
0: and Ben is great inspiration for me and this Health Hackers podcast which if you enjoy, please hit the like button on my Facebook yeah. page and then you'll get notified when we go live next time and subscribe on iTunes and then you can get notified for our next episode and one after that and even write me a review if you fancy if it's nice thank you very much for joining us Facebook as I'm sorry we couldn't get through all the questions bye bye